0: entitled the message. It's all about Jesus, because it is all about Jesus. If you have a Bible, please turn to Matthew chapter five and verse. We're going to take a look at at one verse. I'm going to share a lot of verses tonight because I'm going to make an I'm going to make a case. The reason why this study really took place, as far as me having a conversation with a with a young man who brought a Bible to me, and he. He had a conflict when it came to Jesus because he had a different idea of Jesus was he didn't have a biblical idea of Jesus so um, it really challenged me to uh, take it to heart and to give a better answer because First Peter chapter three and verse fifteen tells us as Christians we are to be ready with an answer but we are to give it with meekness and gentleness so I want to have a good answer for those. Who don't believe or have a different doctrine than I do. But Jesus said, and this is the study, the the Beatitudes, Jesus was teaching his disciples. And it's the, what we're hearing is he was teaching his disciples, and all the crowds just heard the most amazing um, teaching probably ever that's touched so many lives. But here in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17, Jesus says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law and the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So He didn't come to destroy the law and the prophets. He came to fulfill them. So it's all about Jesus. What is all about Jesus? the Bible. The Bible's all about Jesus. And Jesus said here in in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17, I came to fulfill both the law and the prophets. He's speaking of the Old Testament. Now, we get our who is Jesus from the Bible. You know, we have an amazing book. It has has prophecy. We have over three hundred prophecies that jesus fulfilled alone all the prophecies of the old testament point to jesus all the law points to jesus so we have prophecy amazing book no other book in history can compare to the bible in its prophetic utterances and its fulfillment also the bible has a united message a theme from all the way from genesis all the way to malachi the old testament It says that we are sinners. Man is a sinner and he needs a Savior. And God, through the prophecy, said that Jesus was going to be the Savior. This United Message says that we are sinners. All men are sinners equally. And we need a Savior. And God was going to provide Himself a Savior. The Bible answers the biggest questions. Like, why are we here? What's my purpose in life? What happens why, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do I suffer? Why do we die? Why do we wear clothes? Why are there seven days in the week? Why do we have seasons in the year? It answers all those great questions to accuracy. You see, the Bible is also an index of history. We, we even celebrate um, the, the, the coming of the Lord. It is 19... Oh, it's not 19. It's 2018, correct? 2018. Since what? The coming of the Messiah. We even history even shows us. But the Bible is a great book of history. You know, I I went to Israel several times and and going to Israel, man, you know, opening up my scripture in Second Kings chapter twenty, verse twenty, I'm walking through Hezekiah's tunnel. I'm walking through history. You see, this is an amazing book. It's not an ordinary book, it's rich in history and, and it's true. It's true. There's evidence to proclaim what Jesus actually said—the person of Christ. But you see, the Bible not only just shows us who Jesus is. The Bible shows us um, the Bible shows us that He promised to change us if we're willing. See, God promised to change us when we give our hearts. And you know what? We see the results. We see the results of changed lives once. Drug addicts and and you know you name it we were we were but God has touched our life through the person of Jesus Christ and He's changed us you know and the Bible tells us that we put our faith and trust in Him and repent of our sins and He will do a work in of His Spirit in our hearts and we've seen this there's evidence to this I see it in this room you see Jesus and through the Word has changed and transcended culture more than any other person in history of this world. There is no one like Jesus. No one like Jesus. And you know what? It is all about Jesus. Philip Chaff said of Jesus, without writing a single line with a pen, he set more pins in motion. He furnished more themes for sermons, orations, a discussion, learn volumes like books. Man, there's so many books, works of arts about Jesus, songs of praise. And guys are still writing songs of praise about Jesus. Like the song we just said, it's all about you, Jesus. Man, it it is so amazing. And he says more than any Jesus, more than any person has affected the world than more than The whole armies of great men, both modern times and ancient times. There is no one who has impacted this world like our Jesus. So who is Jesus? You see, there's many conflicting ideas of the identity of Jesus. Man, this world today has an identity crisis. We have problems with identity. But you see, it hasn't changed. There there are many so-called Jesuses in the world. And I could kind of give you an idea of how I really explain this. And and how many of you guys know a guy named John? Raise your hand. Do you know a guy named John? How, How many of you guys know? Almost everyone here knows a guy named John. Now, if I describe... John, I, I'll say, you know what, he had a low rider in the 70s and, you know, he, he you know, he was a cool dude with long hair, wearing hush puppies. Is that the same John you know? Is that the same John you guys know? Nobody? OK, that's my brother John I'm talking about. But you see, there are many so-called Jesuses. There are many so-called Jesuses. And that is that is one of the biggest problems. Who's our source? Where are we getting our idea of who Jesus is? And like I said, we have the Mormon Jesus. The Mormon Jesus is not the same Jesus of the Bible. We have the Jehovah Witness Jesus. He's a different Jesus. The Baha'i Faith Jesus Different Jesus, and there's a young man I was talking to last week. He's a Muslim. He was speaking of another Jesus. We were talking about two different people. It wasn't the same person. You see, even some versions of the Catholic version is a different Jesus. He's not a he's not a baby no more, and he's not no longer on the cross. And even some well-meaning Christians have a flawed concept of who the person of jesus is and and it's sad but to get to know the real jesus we can learn from him by his words and his works in this incredible book that we call the bible the bible this is how i get to know jesus by his words and his works his words and his works it's such an incredible book we see through the scriptures the bible we get to see these works and this his amazing words you see jesus proclaimed himself to be god jesus proclaimed himself to be god and as as i was talking to this young man and he was saying jesus never claimed to be god well i said have you ever heard me say i'm i'm pastor tony do I go around saying, "Oh, I'm Pastor Tony"? I just say, "Hey, I'm Tony." The works that I do show that I'm a pastor. My like counseling and teaching and and uh, you know praying for people they show that I'm a pastor. You know, if you're a machinist, what you do shows what you are, more than just saying, "Hey, I, I this is who I am." So we get to see. So we get to see Jesus by what He claimed what he claimed so what he what came out of his mouth audibly we can know by those around him how did they address him we can know jesus by um by his aliases what what, what did people call him we can know jesus by his actions who who was this man jesus And so we're going to take a look at a few of those things. And I'm going to hit a couple of scriptures. So number one, his own audible words and his actions. We have to look at both his audible words, what Jesus said, and the actions of those people around him when he said it. It's very important. Listen to John chapter 8 and 51. Jesus was having a, a conversation Uh, with some scholars at that time and listen to what jesus says in john chapter 8 verse 51 through 59 he said most assuredly i say to you if anyone keeps my word he shall never see death then the jews said to him now we know that you have a demon so what look at his words he say if anyone believes in my words he will never see death and they say oh man he's crazy he's he's he must have a demon and he says, they told him, Abraham is dead and the prophets. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father, Abraham, who is dead? And the prophets who are dead. And, he, and they, they're saying, who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus said, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom I say, of whom you say He is your God. Yet, you have not known Him. But if you had known Him, and if I say to you, I do not know Him, then I am a liar. But I know Him, and I keep His Word. Your father Abraham, here's kicker, here Jesus is saying, your father Abraham, the one whom you put your trust in, he rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. So Jesus is saying something extraordinary to his audience here. And he was speaking to the religious rulers. And he said that Abraham saw his day and was glad. And then they said in verse 57, "They said, you're not even 50 years old and you claim to see Abraham. And Jesus said to him, most assuredly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. Then immediately, look what they did. Immediately they took up stones to throw at him. They took up stones to throw at him. Why? Because he was claiming to be God. You see, the very passage that he's saying here, when he says, I am... He's saying, I am the becoming one. You guys remember the burning bush passage when Moses goes before God and God says, I'm going to send you to Egypt and you're going to bring the people out and you're going to deliver the people. And Moses is you know, giving him excuses why he can't go. And then he goes, well, who you know, who shall I say sent me? And Moses says, tell him I am that I am. Tell him I am has sent me to you. And then Jesus here was saying, "I am, I'm the becoming one. And right away they took up stones to stone him. they took up stones to stone him. so look at his words. look at their actions. He was claiming to be God. And we see this through the scriptures. and Isaiah chapter 44 verse 6, God said, "Thus says the Lord God, king of Israel and his redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and the last, And besides me, there is no other God. So in the Old Testament, God is claiming he is the first and he is the last. He's the first and the last. And we see this in Isaiah 48, 12 as well. But also we see if you go to the New Testament and you look at Revelation chapter one and verse eight, Jesus also makes the same claim. I am the first and the last. So, what here Jesus is with his words, he is saying he is God. I am the first and the last. Why would he claim any different? You see, even in Psalms 23, where we get this beautiful, the the psalmist portrays the Lord, our God, as a shepherd. He portrays the Lord, our God, as a shepherd, the deliverer, the comforter, the one who's going to save Israel. And they will dwell in his kingdom forever and ever, and there is no end. God in the Old Testament, the shepherd. But listen to Jesus' words in John chapter 10, verses 27 through 23. Jesus is proclaiming to be the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. There he goes again. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then it says, again, now look what he's saying. Now look at, his, look at their actions. In verse 31, it says, Then the Jews took up stones to stone him. Why? They took up stones to stone him. And then it says, For what good works do you stone me? For blasphemy. They're, they're, they're stoning him for blasphemy. And they said, Because you being a man, make yourself God. You are claiming to be God. They knew what He was saying. He was claiming to be God in the flesh. So we see God's, we see Jesus' words. And we see their actions. These were, these were rabbinical scholars. They weren't just any, anybody out on the street. These guys studied. They knew the law. They knew exactly what Jesus was saying. It's amazing. You remember when the high priest said, Are you you the Son of God, of the blessed? And Jesus said, I am. Again, in Mark chapter 14, verse uh, 61. He said, I am. And he says, And you will see the Son of Man. He was claiming, I am again. And he says, You will see the Son of Man. You will see me at the right hand of power coming with the clouds of glory. Jesus is saying, I'm coming back in the clouds. And you're going to see my glory and power. You see, Jesus was referring to Daniel chapter seven, verse seven, uh, verse thirteen. He was proclaiming, "He is the one of ancient of days. He's coming to save the world." When you remember Jesus in the garden, when they came to him and it was dark, and they and they came looking for him, and Jesus said, "Who who are you looking for?" And they they answered. We're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And what does He say? I am. And what were the actions? Man, they all fell backwards. They all fell backwards, the power of the Lord. You see, Jesus said in John chapter 5 and verse 46, Jesus told these religious rulers, if you had believed Moses, you would have believed me. If you had believed Moses you would have believed me for he wrote about me. Moses wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings how will you believe my words because it's the same thing. See Jesus was saying Moses wrote about me. What did Moses write? He wrote the five the first five books of the Bible. He wrote the first five. He wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And what is Jesus saying? It's about me. It's all about me. Man, it's clear. And even in Psalms chapter 40, verse 7, God said, Behold, in the scroll of the book it is written of me. So Jesus is proclaiming the same thing. Jesus is proclaiming to be God. And He also said in our text that we saw this at the very beginning in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Do not think that I come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy them. I came to fulfill them. Jesus came to fulfill them. So we have to kind of take a look at the two. Why? He came to fulfill them. Fulfill what? The law and the prophets. See, Jesus is the fulfillment of both the law and the prophets. Galatians chapter three, verse 24, it says, therefore, the law is a tutor to bring us to Christ that we may be justified by faith. So the law, what the law does, the law shows us that we are sinners. The law shows us that we can't keep it. We cannot keep it. It shows us that we miss the mark. And that that's what sin means. It simply means missing the mark, missing the mark of what? I missed the mark of moral perfection. And Jesus said, if you want to go to heaven, you have to be perfect. How many of us can say, I'm going to heaven because I'm perfect? None of us. We're not going to make it. We can't make it. On our best day, we cannot be perfect. But Jesus said, Jesus came to fulfill the law. He came to fulfill the law. And that simply means he did everything perfect. He was morally perfect, thought, word, and deed. Morally perfect. He fulfilled the requirement of moral perfection. Moral perfection. See, the law shows us uh, like a tutor. When, we, when you get something wrong, or you, you, you have problems in math, what do they do? They get you a tutor, right? To, so they show you what you're doing wrong so you could get it right. See, the law tells us that we're wrong. So that we could and Jesus is our tutor to make things right. So we all miss the mark. You see, we all miss the mark, but Jesus fulfilled it perfectly. But he also fulfilled prophecy. He fulfilled all the prophecies of the Old Testament and He's, he's coming back again. He's got one more prophecy to fulfill. He's coming back for his people, his church, and that's why we are to be ready. He's coming to save the repentant, those who put their faith and trust in him. He came to fulfill prophecy, but look at prophecy itself. Look at, look at Isaiah 53. If you just read the details of what he of Isaiah 53, and then you read the gospel accounts of the crucifixion, man, it is so clear. So there's so many scriptures that lead to the fact that he fulfilled both the law and the and the prophets. You see, Jesus even claimed his words were eternal. So to make those kind of claims and to do those thing, kind of things, Jesus has to be God. How was he addressed by his followers? You know, we have scripture over scripture, John chapter 1 verse 1 through 1 through 3, you know, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made that's what john the beloved his closest disciple was writing about jesus and he says in the beginning was the word the word was with god and the word was god he was in the beginning with god all things were created through him and without him nothing was made that was made but then down in verse 12 of that same verse it says that the Word of God put on flesh. The Creator, God, Jesus, He put on human flesh and tabernacled around us. You see, He is God. They, Those closest to Him proclaimed He was God. In Colossians, Paul wrote, speaking of Jesus, for Him, for by Him all things were created in heaven and earth, whether things that are invisible or visible, whether thrones, dominions, powers, all things were created through Him And for him, Paul was saying that. How about Peter? Peter said the same thing. But who created? You know, going back to the Old Testament in Genesis chapter one and verse one, who created the heavens and the earth? God. God. So Jesus made the claim. His followers made the claims that he is God. You know, how do you? You know, how do you know? For those who live closest to you, they know you the best, right? You know, those who know me, they know my likes, my dislikes, you know, the shows I watch, you know, the, the activities I do, how I spend my leisure time. They know me best. So Jesus's words proclaim he was God. We see those closest to him proclaim he was God. And I just picked up two uh, scriptures uh we have Second Peter chapter one and verse one, Peter proclaims Jesus as God and Savior. So those closest to him, he proclaimed it. Those closest to him proclaimed it. But look at Jesus' activities. If you, you read the read the Gospels. Read the Gospels and I, and I you know this study is really to whet your appetite. I really want you as a church to read the Word of God daily. You you see Jesus' activities. He created the world. He made water into wine. He walked on water. He multiplied food in excess to feed more than 9,000 people multiple times. He had the power to heal incurable diseases. He was able to heal people who were blind from birth. He gave hearing to the deaf. He cast out demonic spirits. He commanded and and held At bay, legions of demonic spirits, they were afraid of him because they said, are you come to judge us at this time? But look at the works. He calmed with his very words, a storm. He calmed with his words, the storm. So he proclaims he's God, his followers proclaim he's God, his works he did proclaimed he's God, cuz no ordinary man could do that. But those around him worshiped him. That shows you that this Jesus is special. See Paul proclaimed that worship should be reserved for God. Our creator alone. And here through scripture, Acts chapter 14, verse 15. They were were, there was there was a healing and the guys were coming to them and they said, hey, it's not of us, man. It was Jesus in the name of Jesus. This man was made to walk. Also, Acts chapter three, verse six. And, you know, we see scripture over scripture pointing to the fact that worship is reserved only to God. Listen to the Old Testament, Psalms, chapter 95, verse six. It says, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. So we see the disciples were worshiping him. We see even the Canaanite woman in, in Matthew, chapter 15, verse 22. You know, she's had his feet and she's worshiping him. So over and over, look at, um, you know, I could even name a whole lot of them, you know, Bethlehem, you know, who came? The Magi came and they said, let us, we want, we're coming to worship him. And they brought him gifts of of kingly worship. The women at the tomb worshipped him. But But he is that who the scriptures promise They worshipped him with great joy. Even the blind men, when in John chapter 9, verse 38, after Jesus healed him, it says he worshipped him. And in Revelation chapter 5, verse 14, it says all heaven and all the 24 elders bowed down at Jesus' feet and they worshipped him. They worshipped him. It's amazing. But his alias is Lord. He's called Lord. Lord of Lord, King of Kings. He's called Savior. He's called the first and the last. Like I mentioned, he's called the light of the world. He's called the light. He calls himself the light of the world. John chapter 8 verse 12. He says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in dark, walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Listen to Psalms chapter 27 verse 1, a Psalm of David. It says, the Lord is my light. And my salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. And whom shall I be afraid? Why should He be afraid? Look at who we worship. He's God. He's mighty. He's wonderful. So, we get to know Jesus about what He said of Himself. Himself what His followers said of Him, how they worshipped and adored Him. We, get to, we, we have a record about Him, of all that He did and all that He said. So we, how do we get to know this Jesus? You see, we have to get into His Word. And that's why I really want to encourage you to be in the Word every day. Be in the Word. It's all about Jesus. You'll find Him when you seek for Him with all your heart. So, we got to know what the Bible says about Jesus. But you know, the Bible says something about you. The Bible has a lot to say about you. If you're a believer, your life, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, your life too should be all about Jesus. It should be all about Jesus. If you're a believer, ask yourself that question this evening. Is my life all about Jesus? You see, there are three things that we should be doing as believers. Number one, it, my life, should be glorifying God how I'm living. How I'm living. You see, I, I, I'm not to live detached from this. And that's, and that's the problem with modern Christianity We are leaving God's word out of our lives. And as Christians, we cannot do that. We will deviate from God's word. And, you know, our lives will not be in sync with God's words. So through the word of God that we read tonight, we see Jesus's words and his works match his biblical, his biblical prescription. See, the same thing with you and me. My words and my works should match the biblical description. Anything other than a biblical description of my life as being a follower of Jesus, if it isn't consistent, I'm probably not a believer. Sorry to say, because Jesus says those who are his follow him. They walk in his word. They they live his word and they walk by it. So is, I have to ask myself that question. Does my words and my works match a biblical description of what it is to be a Christian? I'm to be Christ like. Are you living in a way in which the Bible describes you should live? You know, the Bible, if you're reading the Word as a Christian, the Bible will keep you humble. Because we'll look at it ourselves and we'll see our true selves. Man, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Man, all the moral good in here, in the word, I pray, man, Lord, I want that. I want to live like that. And all the moral failures that I see in the word, I pray, Lord, I know that's not what you want for me. Help me. And I have to take an honest look at, at the word of God every day. We, we go to the mirror every morning. And we, we, look, we look at ourselves, we wash our face. And you know what? That should be our hearts with the Word of God every morning. We should come to the Lord with a teachable attitude and, and just read His Word and let Him show you the flaws. Show you what needs changing. And you know what the greatest thing is? He will change you if you simply will just let Him. But you see, if I'm detached from this, there's not going to be no change there's not going to be no change in my life. There's not going to be no evidence because the Spirit of God works with the Word of God. See, God's Word has to be a part of my life and then the Spirit of God comes in and takes control and does it change. You see, the Word of God will keep us humble. But it will keep us on the right from going to the right or to the left. It will keep us on a right path. Through the Bible, through reading the Bible, church, the Bible... And reading it will cover uncover many blessings. There's many blessings in here for you. But you got to dig. You got to be in it every you got to be in it night and day. You know, list Joshua chapter 1 verse 6 through 8. We also say, we also see in Psalms chapter 1. Blessed is the man who meditates on my word day and night. I could take that to the bank. See, the Bible has many uncovered blessings. But it also has many, uh, many warnings in it that we can avoid a lot of problems in our life if we would simply open it up and read it and apply its rich teaching. Psalms chapter 19, verse 11. There's blessings and rewards and there's warnings. Secondly, first, my life should glorify God as a Christian. Secondly, I'm called to know Him. You as a Christian, you're called to know God intimately and personally. It's a personal relationship, but it's, it's simply putting these pages into your heart. These pages, it has to be a part of you. I have to, I have to have a relationship with God. And how does God choose to have a relationship through me? You know, many people have many different ideas, but if we read the word, he says to be in my word, know about me. And Jesus says, it's all about me. You know, I'm not going to pick and choose. I want him to teach me. I want to get to know him. I want to have a relationship with him. And thirdly, we're called to make him known. We're not not only called to have a relationship with him. We're called to make him known. That's the greatest commission. is, Is, you know what? Get to know Jesus and make him known. But... What qualifies me to be a believer? What what qualifies me to be a a, a believer in Christ? I have to go to the scriptures. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 says, "There's There's no salvation in any name but the name of Jesus. We all know John 3 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. We memorize that, but how many of us have ever memorized John three thirty six? It says that my wrath will be poured upon those who reject me. God's wrath. Wow, that's pretty heavy. So, what qualifies me to be a believer? It's repentance. I simply need to recognize I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I missed the mark of moral perfection, but the Bible says Jesus fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the law. He's perfect. You see, that's why the cross. That's why the cross. See, a lot of times we don't. That's why one of the seven sayings on the cross was to tell us die. It is finished. When Jesus hung there, he said it is finished. And that's an accounting term to be to, to simply say it's paid in full. It's paid in full. What? The law. The law was paid in full. He paid my price. See, I simply have to repent and put my filthy rags upon Jesus, recognizing I'm filthy. I'm, I'm a sinner. And it's like me having a jacket. And every time I sin, I, I mark my jacket. Man, it's black because I've done many horrible things, thought words and deeds. And you know what? Me coming to the Lord and, and repenting is, is like me taking that jacket off, giving it to Jesus. He takes the punishment on the cross. The wrath that was due to me, John 3, 36, the wrath that was due to me was placed on Jesus. And you see his perfect life. He fulfilled the law morally perfect. He fulfilled all the prophecies morally perfect. And you see me admitting I'm a sinner and repenting, turning from my sin and turning to him. His perfect righteousness is put to my account. Where Revelations chapter uh, 19, I believe it's 13, says that when we're believers, we are going to have white robes of righteousness. You see, it's not my righteousness, it's his. He put his moral perfection upon me so I can enter in. But the interesting thing is in closing in that is the description of Jesus' robe in Revelations chapter 19, it says that His robe is dipped in blood. His robe is one dipped in blood. You see, He paid the price for us. You see, there's lastly, there's only one man-made things in heaven. In Revelations chapter 5, it says that when we see Jesus face to face, we're going to see the nails, scars in His hands. We're going to see the scarred face forever. It's a testimony of his love for you. He loves you that much. And you know what? We're going we're to behold him. And we're going to worship him. Well, we should worship him. Because he, came to, he didn't have to come to this world. He came to save you. And you. And you. So if you're a believer, I want to encourage you get in the word. Spend some time with him. Have that relationship with him. Have him transform you. Glorify him by your words and works. And let the Spirit of God work in your life. And if you're not a believer tonight, if you haven't recognized or admitted you're a sinner and you need a Savior, the Bible says it is appointed for man to die once, then the judgment. And we have to get right with the Lord today. There are many people I have talked to. I, I had a guy come up here. Um, to His mom brought him over here to talk to me because he was afraid of dying. His mom brought him right right. To my front window, and I saw them park. And she said, "He he has a fear. He's going to die. He has a fear. He's going to die." And he didn't get off the car. He didn't get out of the car. And I heard him. I guess his mom accidentally dialed the phone, so I heard the conversation a little bit, and then I and I I turned it off for their privacy' sake. But uh, but just the fruit, few things I heard, he he was wrestling. He he was like, "Mom, no!" And and the mom was begging him, "Come, let's let's go inside. Let's go here." What Pastor Tony has to say. And all of a sudden, I was waiting for them. I was praying. All of a sudden, I turned around. I looked. The car took off. And he died. He died not even three days later. So, if the Lord is speaking to your heart and you're not right with God tonight, it's a serious thing. You're not promised tomorrow. So, I want to encourage you if you're not a believer, I'm going to have the worship team come and pray and play. If that's you tonight, don't take it as a word of man. Take it as a word of God and make a step of faith. So as we worship, let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord, and we thank you for tonight, Lord. We thank you for showing us that you are God who put on skin who fulfilled both the law and the prophets? It's all about you, Jesus, and, and it's all about you. You did it for us, and we thank you for that. You did it for the lost. Your word says in Luke chapter five that you didn't come to save the righteous, but you bring sinners to repentance. That you you came as a physician for those who are sick. Father, I pray, Lord, if tonight, if if we recognize that we're morally sick, we're flawed from sin, that tonight we would recognize our wretchedness, Lord, that we would repent and that tonight would be the night that we would repent and put our faith and trust in you, that we would see a supernatural work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. So as we worship. If that's you tonight, make your way down the front, we'll say a simple prayer of faith and you're going to come before the Lord and personally ask Him and admit you're a sinner. And admit you need His help. And you know what? The God who stepped out of heaven died for your sins 2,000 years ago, and He's ready to pardon you, to give you a full, a full pardon. He's not only ready to give you a full pardon, He wants to give you an inheritance. But you can't have it unless you repent, put your faith and trust in him. And then you will have the right to become his child, to receive his inheritance. So as a worship team plays. I want to encourage you believers to pray. But if the Lord is speaking to your heart, don't hesitate. Get up and we'll say a simple prayer of faith. This worship.